We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Oh, he's been faithful. He's been faithful and true. Amen. You can be seated. Our God is so good. I want to remind you, if you would like to give this morning, we're not passing the plate right now because of uh, some regulations that are in place, but there is giving stations as you leave today. There's giving station that you passed as you came in, and uh, you can also do that online at our website. So we appreciate all that you do. God is good. Amen. we got some good things coming. I just believe that with all my heart. Um, I love that song. He's been faithful to me. Amen. He has shown his, his truth and his glory through many, many times in my life, and I am so thankful for that. Um, if you're here this morning, you are uh, getting in on the first part of a new series entitled The Power of Love. And uh, I am an 80s child, so some of you are already singing the Huey Lewis song, okay? I know you are. So anyhow, um, but uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there's so much power in the love of God. Um, I, uh, I just finished a, a book by Max Licato on the book of John, and, and uh, I, I, am, uh, I love to read, and I, I went and got another book that I wanted to read, and the, the Holy Spirit just convicted me and said, now that you've read Max's take on John, you go back to the first of you read you read through John. And as I was reading through John, the Lord just began to direct me that I need to share some things about the power of love with us. I still believe if love doesn't work, nothing else will. If love doesn't win someone, nothing else will. And it is that power of love that overtakes and, and is able to break through the iciest and the coldest hearts and share the truth in the hour that we live in. And so I just want to share with you over the next few moments um, uh, just some introduction to this. And uh, we, we're going to lay some groundwork as we go forward. If you uh, want to kind of make some notes today, First John, or, or John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 is going to be where we're going to be anchoring. And also we're going to be looking into John 1, 18, uh, 10 through 18, if we have time today. But over the past few weeks, I have felt three words in my prayer time. Um, I, I, and and it's, they've been very strong on me uh, the last three weeks. As I would pray, I, I felt, number one, the word distraction. And I feel like that there has been a lot of distractions on people right now. We are distracted. We're distracted by a lot of stuff that has kind of made our, our vision drift off of the prize or drift off of where we need to be with the Lord. And uh, so uh, distractions, one thing, uh, there's the, the definition of distraction is unable to concentrate because one's mind is preoccupied or to, to divert one's attention to something else. And, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know uh, how many of you uh, uh, like the movie, but I'll, I'm, I'm losing the title of it right now. But it's a little cartoon movie, and there's a dog in there named Doug. And Doug is, uh, all of a sudden, he's talking to them. He says, my name is Doug. And then all of a sudden, he says, squirrel. You know, how many are like that? You get distracted real easily, and all of a sudden something happens, and I, I meant to have a prayer time. I meant to have some Bible study in my life. I meant to go to church. I meant to do this. I meant to do a lot of things, but I got distracted. I got occupied with something else. The other word that keeps going through my spirit is available. 
available. Um, I, I believe that God is wanting his people to become available to him. Um, to be to be ready to hear his voice and and if the opposite of being distracted is being available god i'm open i'm focused you know i shared with you what the apostle paul said uh to the corinthian church he says my heart's wide open in other words he's saying i'm available to you i i am i am ready to do or, or to see accomplished whatever uh comes to mind at the time and 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 i'm open to 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 be used of god my heart's wide open god is needing people to be available, not preoccupied, not occupied with other things, but he needs us to be available. And so this morning, I believe that that is one of the things that God wants to show us through this series is that we need to be available. Then the third word that just really has hit home with me personally, and and like I told you guys a long time ago, what I preach to you goes through me before it gets to you. Um, I don't stand here preaching at you. I'm here preaching with you, if that makes makes sense. It's going through me to get to you. But the third word is vulnerable that 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 we need to be available but we also have to be vulnerable to the Lord uh, vulnerability is a word that we we struggle with sometimes because we equ- we equivalent that word or we put it equal with weakness in our life and v- being vulnerable isn't necessarily being weak uh, as a matter of fact if we understand uh, you could actually substitute in the Greek language where he says in my weakness he is made strong do you realize the word vulnerability could could actually in my vulnerability he is made strong and so I want to be open I want to be available but I also have to be vulnerable to the Lord open to what he has for me Um, it can mean uncertainty it can mean taking a risk have you ever taken a risk for the Lord I can in my life I know there's many times that I have taken risk and that risk can be just as simple as having a conversation with somebody at school or work about the Lord Okay, you're taking a risk. What if they resist me because of my faith? What if they, what if they brand me a religious fanatic and walk away and say, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff from you? Um, we take a risk when we are vulnerable. It's, it's, but God is looking for people that will be that way. In the ancient, Hebrew, uh, the ancient Hebrews believed that words had power. In other words, our words are not as powerful as they used to be, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But they actually did things. They believed that their words uh, had, had great power, and, and so they were careful with their words. That's why when Jesus spoke words to the people, it impacted them so greatly. Uh, the, the ancient Greeks believed that words were the guiding force of the universe. In other words, they, they believed in that. Finally, in the Gospel of John, both of these meanings through the Hebrew and the Greek are brought together. In other words, John marries these ideas together. He says, I'm going to put them into one thing. Let's read just a little bit out of 1 John, verses 1, or, or I'm saying 1 John, John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was nothing, in, uh, not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it anyway uh, let's skip down now to verse 10 through 18 and he says he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him he he came to his own and his own people did, uh, did not receive him but uh, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name 
name, he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born uh, not of the blood, nor uh, of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he who, who I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For uh, from, the full, from his fullness we have, have all received grace upon grace. From the law was given through, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, he has made him known. In other words, he's saying there has been a full revelation of the truth of God through the Son. And if when we look into Jesus, when we are to Jesus, when we become not distracted but available and vulnerable to him, God begins to reveal the deepness of who he, the deepness of who he is through his Son, Jesus. If we think that all there is to Jesus is to stay out of hell, that's a sad existence for a Christian. If all you did is purchase an insurance policy to stay out of hell, that is a very miserable ex existence. But when one gives their life over fully to Jesus, the Bible says in him was life and light. God wants us to have life and light in a world that is full of darkness. We live in a world that is dark. We live in a world of politics. We live in a world of, 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 of pandemics and fear and doubt and disillusionment. But I want you to know in this hour that we are living in, it is not the hour for the church to grow uh, covered over by darkness, but for the church to shine its light like never before. Wherever God has planted you, whether it is in the hallways of your schools or whether it is uh, 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 on your job at the mill or at the office, God wants the light of Jesus to shine through his people in this hour so that the world might see there is hope. And that hope is not found uh, with whoever wins in November. That hope is not found with who sits on this side of the aisle or that uh, side of the aisle uh, in politics. That hope is not found in a, a, a syringe uh, offering a vaccine. That hope is found in Jesus, the light of the world. And I'm here to tell you that light is shining brighter than ever before and that love wants to occupy his people. His love wants to occupy his people. And we must become what he wants us to be. The Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John is speaking of the incarnation. In other words, we're getting ready in a few months. How many, you know, you all of a sudden you're thinking, man, Christmas is not that far. We're getting close. As a matter of fact, I walked in Walmart the other day and Halloween hadn't taken place and they're putting up the Christmas trees. And I'm like, good gracious, get one out of the way first. Let's have Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving don't even get thought about anymore, I don't think. We just skip right over to it. What are you saying? Uh, we're getting ready to go into this holiday season. We're getting ready to think about the incarnation is what we're thinking about. That that baby that was in that manger, I love uh, uh, what is written uh, in uh, the book called God Came Near. And he says that there was 400 years of silence between the closing of the old prophets and the beginning of the New Testament. 
Testament. 400 years, the, the, the voice of God was silenced as far as there was no prophets that spoke. And the Bible says God could have chose to break the silence any way he wanted to. Can you imagine 400 years to, of, of the people of God, Israel, saying we haven't heard God's voice in 400 years. The last time we heard God's voice was through Malachi. We haven't heard the voice of God. He has been silent towards us. If somebody doesn't talk to you for 400 years, you might think there's a problem. Come on. You might think there's a breakdown in relationship. How many of you, if your wife doesn't talk to you for four minutes, there might be a breakdown in the communication? How many of you, if, you know, if your wife walks through with the laundry basket two or three times and doesn't speak, you might want to take a moment for some communication because there might be a problem. But think about 400 years God has not spoken to man and God could have chosen uh, to, to break his silence any way he wanted to, but he chose it on that first Christmas night, not with trumpets sounding, not with angels declaring, but with the cry of a baby. Oh my goodness, the word made flesh and dwelt among us and it shattered the silence. And all of a sudden, God had come near. Think about that. All of a sudden, God was with us and made flesh and dwelt with us. What a powerful thing. You could end the sermon just on that, that God is with you. Well, I, I want you to understand when you were saved, God said, I didn't just set up on heaven and wash your sins away and say, go on about your business. All of a the sudden, the Bible, he linked up with you. He made a promise to you. He made a covenant with you. And he walks with you through life. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how good it is, he is with you all the time. And when I think I've figured out this God with us thing, when I begin to think I've figured out the power of his love, God shatters the silence in my life with a brand new way. Sometimes he shatters it with just a sunrise. Sometimes he shatters it when I look and I see the sunset and the awesomeness of what God has done. He has shattered the silence. I'll never forget when my daughter was born. You know, I thought I'd been preaching for many years by then, and I thought, man, I got this love of God. I've got this God came near stuff figured out, and I'm there. And all of a sudden, when that doctor held up that little black curly-headed baby, and and, and, and black-haired curly-headed baby, and it cried, it shattered the silence in my life. And all of a sudden, I realized, I know what y'all thinking. I got it. Shame on you. All of a sudden, the silence was shattered, and I know all of a sudden God revealed His love to me in a greater way. Oh my goodness, what are you saying? I'm here to tell you that God will reveal His love to you today like never before, but He does not reveal His love to you so that you can just feel good about you. He reveals His love to you so that the light and the life of Jesus might penetrate the darkness of this world. There are people you're in contact with every day that are in darkness, and they need to feel the love of God. Amen. Words have lost their meaning in our culture. Amen. Words have lost their meaning in our culture. They don't, they don't mean what they used to mean. As a matter of fact, we, we use the word love very loosely in our society today. I love you used to mean something. You know, but now we use it to describe anything. I love ice cream. I love steak. I love ribs. I love that shirt. I love that's my favorite pair of jeans. I love them. 
But if you were to say that in the Hebrew uh, culture, if you were to say that in the time of Jesus, they would look at you as if you had lost your mind. If you were to look and say, you know, I really, 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 I love, I love my house. They would look at you and say, that's crazy. Because it had nothing to do with an inanimate object. It had to do with a personal connection with something or someone specifically. If you looked and you say, you know, just imagine you're in Jesus' time and you say, you know what, I really love my camel. You might find yourself locked up somewhere. I really, 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 really do love it. I love, I love my fields. No, no, Jesus, when Jesus used the words that I love you, they, they knew exactly what he meant. There was no confusion in that because it meant I feel an inner connection with you as a person. It's lost its meaning in our world. Amen. I love ice cream. I love, I, I love a lot. Of, I, I love ice cream and I love my wife are not equal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They have lost their meaning. This is a heavenly, uh, heavily, heavily debated topic. People often try to define love as a romantic euphoria. However, the word love generally is used so loosely that the meaning has become diluted and dulled in our society. It no longer means what it means. It has lost its meaning. There are other words that have lost their meaning. And I'm going to share a few of those because I thought this was just great stuff. Do you, uh, what does the word awful mean? It means bad, doesn't it? Do you realize that it used to mean excellent? <laughs> it used to mean fear or terror or dread. It used to, it used to mean, uh, and that was in the old English, then by the mid-1700s, all began to mean solemn, uh, uh, awful meant solemn or, or reverence, uh, tinged with fear. Do you realize it came from a, a, a spiritual background when you said, we had an awful service. <laughs> Go out and tell people that and look at their reaction. How was church today? It was awful. What do they think? They think it was horrible. It was, no, in the time, of, when the original context of this word meant, I look at that in awe. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's, I, I, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. The word awful would be used there. But see, it's lost its meaning in our world. The word cheater, did you know the word cheater was originally in, in the 1600s, it meant one who took care of king's estates. In other words, if someone died and the king absorbed his estate into his uh, uh, riches, it meant he, was, uh, he would send his cheater to do that. It wasn't anything illegal going on. Now it means mistrust. <laughs> Come on. You're a bunch of cheaters. What does that mean? Mistrust. They 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 are swindlers. They they are dishonest. Now, uh, what about furniture? I love this one. Furniture in its original ma uh, language, it meant uh, uh, something of of great increase. In other words, it it never meant uh, uh, it, it meant a uh, what you're sitting on today or this uh, podium today. That was not considered furniture. That gradually changed in the 1500s to mean uh, that narrowing narrowing it down to mean uh, a movable object of equipment, a table, a chair, uh, office. I, you know that was furniture. What about the term girl? Do you realize in the original context, the English word girl meant boy or girl, or bo woman or man? That's what it meant. But it changed, and it now means specifically females. 
What about the word meat? In the Old English, the word meat meant anything that was solid food, that wasn't liquid. So if you sit down to a plate of vegetables, what are you having? I'm having some meat. But it's changed. What about the word naughty? In the 1300s, naughty meant people who did nothing, who were poor and needy. In the 1400s, the meaning shifted to those who were, uh, were morally bankrupt and were bad and wicked and evil. But the term changed in the modern use. We've dulled it down to now it means misbehaving but not really wicked or evil. What are they doing? They're being naughty. And we smile about it, don't we? But the term has changed. What are you saying? We cannot afford to allow the term of love to be shifted into something that the world wants to define it to be, especially when it comes to God. Because God says it has nothing to do with you loving that book or loving this stool. It has for you. It means an interpersonal relationship with somebody. And I'm going to say something. This is free for all of the youth in this room. The words, I love you, used to really hold a lot of weight. And people didn't say that after the first date. They didn't say it after the second date. When you said I love you, it was a very big deal. Why? Because it used to be rooted back in the traditions of Scripture, but it has faded with time to mean hey, I can love you, but I can love my dog. And it means the same thing. What are you saying, Pastor? When Jesus came to love this world, when it says that for God so loved the world, it did not mean that He loved the physical earth. It meant that He loved every human soul that He created. And because He loved every human soul that He created, He gave everything for you and I. I'm here to tell you, when He spoke the word love, there was power behind it. And there is still power in love. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is still healing in the name of Jesus. There is power in that name. And there's power in that love. Amen. How you doing today? How I many? Fine. I'm doing fine. In other words, nondescriptive. We're vague. We, we don't hold, uh, our words don't hold the weight that they once held. As a matter of fact, do you realize in the Hebrew language there is only 10,000 words? That's not a lot of words for a language. Only 10,000 words. There's 200,000 words in the Greek language. What are you saying, pastor? God is God's saying, I don't need a lot of words to share what I mean to you today. I don't need a lot of words if you understand the weight of those words. In other words, the word love meant a deep inward affection and covenant with that person. In other words, when, they, when God says he loves you, he's saying, I am connected with you. There's nothing in hell that will stop my love. There's nothing on earth that can stop my love. There's there's no sickness that can stop my love. There's no disease. There's no uh, affliction. This love I have for you is unstoppable because I love you. We got to understand that if we're going to move forward with God. What is he saying? He's saying 
That the purpose of his book in John, the purpose of what God is saying through John is found, the heart of John is found in, in verses 30 through 31 of chapter 20, which simply says this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in his name. I want you to get that. So that you, by believing he is the Son of God, may have life in his name. He came, what did Jesus say? I came to give you life and it more abundantly. He's not just talking about eternal life there. He's talking about life here on this earth. I want you to understand this morning and carry out of here a sense of what God's word, the power of the word love, what it really means in the eyes of God. And if we can discover what the word, uh, word love means in the eyes of God, then we can discover what it really means for us to truly love God back. I want to love him the way he's loved me. How about you? Do you realize he challenged the apostle Peter with this? He said, Peter, do you love me? And he says it three times. And in the English translations of, of that word, you see, we have one word for love in the English language. The Greek language has three. And in that, in that teaching, we find very simply, and I'm going to break it down for you today, he says three times to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, I love you. This is how you read it in the English. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, Peter, do you love me? It sounds like Jesus is a very insecure, needy person, does it not? Come on. You know, that's a good sign if you've ever been on a date and, you know, and they look at you and they go, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, before long you're going to say, yeah, you're very insecure. This is not the insecurity of God. We've got to understand that Jesus is using different words than Peter. In the Greek language, Peter is replying to him in a different way than what Jesus is saying. Jesus asked him, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me the way that God's, God loves you? Do you love me to the point that you would lay down your life for me? And, and Peter replies with a, a, a weaker word for love in the Greek language, which is phileos. He says, Lord, you know I got great affection for you. You're, you're my bud. You know, we're brothers. Jesus looked at him and he says, but Peter, do you agape me? And Peter looks at him again and he says, Lord, you know I filios you. I have great affection for you. You're my bud. We hang out. We're brothers. And Jesus changes gears and he says, Peter, do you filios me? Do you love me? Do you have affection for me? Do we have, are we buds? Do we hang out together? Are we... And Peter finally gets the meaning and he looks over at Jesus and he says, Lord, you know, I agape you. In other words, Jesus will never be satisfied with being your bud and just hanging out with you. He wants a connection with his children. And I'm here today to declare if you are disconnected from that love, there is a great one in our midst. It's not Pastor Phil. It's not anybody else in human. It is Jesus himself in this room. And he is ready to reconnect with you with a love that will take you into this world and bring light to a lost and dying world. Amen. The world is looking for people who love the Lord. In other words, the root of this 
whole writing. And, and as a matter of fact, it's been considered by many theologians that the book of John is not even considered an, a, a, a gospel. It is more written as an epistle than a gospel. Why? Because John says in these verses, he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. He's saying, if you're looking for some of the things that Matthew talked about, you're not going to find it in, in my writing. If you're looking for some of the things that Luke spoke about, it's not going to be there either, or, or Mark even. It's not going to be there because uh, that's not what my book's going to be about. That's not what I'm writing about. Okay, and, and so in other words, he's clearing up the fact that if you're looking for, uh, for a third retelling of some of this or a fourth retelling of some of the events of Jesus, not going to happen in this book. But then he clarifies in verse 31 of, of chapter 20 by saying, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, uh, that by believing you may have life in his name. He's saying, I'm not writing these things, the other things that they have written, but I'm writing things that will help you have a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. Do you realize there is more to Jesus than just a manger and a cross and a tomb? There is more to Jesus than just the manger, cross, tomb, and been coming back one day. And I believe he is coming back one day. As a matter of fact, I think there's a lot of people that, that, that they are looking for him to show up like next week because they feel like it couldn't get any worse. I, I want to invite them to study through Revelations. There's a lot of other things got to happen before the return of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean I'm mentalized, or, or making that a, 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 a non, not important in our eyes. I think we should realize everybody in this room is a heartbeat away from meeting Jesus. We are a breath away from meeting Jesus. And I, But as far as the rapture goes, I think there's a whole lot of other stuff that's got to happen. So you're saying 100 years from now. No, I'm not saying 100 years from now. I think it's sooner than we think. I think it's coming sooner than we think. But I do believe this, that he's coming back for a church that has been glorified. How has it been glorified? It's not glorified through us walking around showing people how holy we are. It is glorified through the relationships that you and I have with this great Jesus that died for us on the cross and that people see lived out loud Jesus in our lives. And the more we live it out, the more people are going to realize there's hope found in Jesus. Will everybody accept the message? No. As a matter of fact, some will walk away. But I do believe that if we'll begin to show the love and the light of Jesus the way that he intended us to, we're going to be shocked at the people who begin to come to Christ all around us. I'm here to tell you there's a great revival coming. And it's not going to be held in buildings. It's going to happen on the streets. It's going to happen in the school. I'm telling you right now, I believe before long we're going to see kids coming to Christ in the classrooms in our schools. We're going to see kids coming to Christ uh, wherever they're hanging out because the love and the light of Jesus is not going to shine through the preachers. It needs to, but it's got to shine through God's people. Amen. Amen. His people. Mm. I remember a few years ago working uh, in South Georgia I was, we were living there, pastoring a church over 20 years ago, and I was working for an electric company. We had the construction and, contra uh, construction and maintenance contract at a place called Kim Talk Chemical in Midway, Georgia. And, and uh, you know, I, I've shared with some of you, I think it's important, you know, when I took the job, the guy that, that hired me, they, uh, they knew I was a preacher, and he was a little apprehensive about that. He said, well, you know, my guys can be kind of rough. I said, that's all right. 
I, you know, don't worry about it. I, he was more worried about me preaching to them, I think, than he was <laughs> how rough they would be. And I said, don't worry about it. I'm there to do, do a job. I said, but you need to understand, if someone approaches me, I'll share my faith. I said, if God leads me, I'll share my faith. I said, but neither will I cause a bunch of trouble on your crew. And he said, I, he said oh, I, I, I'm okay, I'm okay. So anyway, when I get there, the foreman hands me my hard hat, and he has preach wrote across the top. Now, everybody got nicknames on their hard hats, but I knew why I got that nickname. It was to let everybody know out of all the ten new guys on the crew, I was the preacher. Because whether you know it or not, I didn't wear a suit and tie to go pull cable at a chemical plant. So we get there, and God begins to do some amazing things while I'm there. I wasn't there very long, maybe, what, a year, year and a half? And um, when I was there, all of a sudden, um, guys would begin to approach me, and, and some approached me and said, hey, during lunchtime, would you do a Bible study with us? And there's a lot I'm skipping to get to this point. But I began to do a Bible study in one of the switchgear rooms on our lunch break. And I began to share the gospel. And before long, some of these undercover Christians began to come, come out of the covers and, 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 and be a little more bold. And all, uh, one of the other crew leaders came to me and he said, Hey man, he said, he said uh, I, I want to be a better witness for the Lord. I haven't been that. And he said, I, I, these, This is inspiring me to be a better witness of Jesus. We didn't go around preaching to people. As a matter of fact, what was amazing is we would go in this, there was a lot of switchgear rooms. We would go in this switchgear room where nobody else was using to have our lunch and, and share the word. And we had about five, six guys when we first started out. But then I began to realize as the months went by, some of these knuckleheads that had made sure they lived uh, their uh, vulgarous lives out in front of me, they began to come in and sit on the other side of the switchgear. To have their lunch. What are you saying, Pastor? They could have went anywhere else, but they didn't want to come in with us, but they sat on the other side. They could still hear everything that was being shared. One day we're pulling wire, and we're, you know, you had to understand if you've done electrical work, we were on three levels of cable, and I was standing or, or sitting in the third row of cable about uh, 20, 30, 40 feet off the ground, somewhere around there, and we're pulling wire, and all of a sudden there was a young man named Reedy who was pulling wire with, one, with, with the crew leader who had told me he wanted to be a better light for Jesus. All of a sudden we're working, you know, pulling wire, and all of a sudden they holler up, Hey, preach! I said, what's going on? They said, Reedy just gave his heart to Jesus. Amen. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to win this world, it's not going to be in the church houses. This should be a place where we're equipped and sent. This should be a place where we're charged up to be a better light for Jesus. But where the real revival is going to take place is in your living rooms. It's going to take place on the streets. It's going to take place in your conversations. It's going to take place with your relationships and your connection with people. And it's going to come through a sincere power of love when you begin to say, I love you. They're not just going to hear words that they become numb to in our society, but it's going to be anointed of the Holy Spirit and it's going to penetrate their lives and they're going to say, I've never felt something like this before. And you're going to say, that's because it's not me that's loving you. It's Christ loving you through me. God's ready to do some great things. Real quickly, real quickly. Last thing I want to share with you today. The Logos, the Word. 
John 1.1 says this, uh, says, uh, or John 1.1 declared that he was with us, that the word was made flesh. The Hebrew thought here is more than just mere sounds. Words are actually did things. In other words, uh, Professor John Patterson wrote this. The spoken word to the Hebrew was, uh, was fearfully alive. It was a unit of energy charged with power. We would call that the anointing. So to the Hebrew, when the word was a powerful thing, it, was a, it, it penetrated the heart. It shook them. It was more than just a verbal statement. There was action behind it. Okay, And I want you to understand if this world's going to realize that we have that love and that light of Christ in us, then guess what? We are going to have to have action behind our words. The one thing that I feel, the one thing I feel that, that has happened in 2020 that I really, really uh, uh, regret is I believe because of all the shutdowns that we have seen, uh, you know, our outreaches have not been what we used to be. I want you to know, and I'm declaring by the authority of the word, in October, we firing it up, baby, and we're going to go and show the love of Jesus, not just declare it on the internet, just not declare it in these walls, but we're going to show the love of Jesus to the this world around us because it is love in action that will turn a world around. People are tired of just hearing words and them falling empty to the ground. They're ready to see the love of God in action. What if it said, for God so loved the world that he gave and he didn't give? Last thought I'll share with you today is what if, what if Jesus had come to this world and for, for three years of ministry, he healed the sick, he made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the, the deaf to hear, the, 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 the dumb to speak. What if he, for, for three years, cleansed the lepers and, and walked on water and, caught, you know, and, and fed the 5,000 and did all these great works, but then he gets to Gethsemane and he kneels down to pray and he says, no, I don't think the cross is for me. I'm out of here. We would have been blessed for three years with miracles, signs, and wonders, but we would have not been changed from our state of orphan to son and daughter. It is because of the gift of Jesus being love in action that you and I now are no longer orphaned, but we are the sons and the daughters of God, and we can rejoice and say, for my name is written in the family album of heaven. I have a place with him. And his love was more than words. It was action. The word logos means action. Word means action. Will you stand? Man. We're going to have fun with this over the next few weeks. God, that our words will begin to mean something. The word love in the Hebrew was not the love of ice cream. It was the love between two people. It wasn't a love for a shirt. It wasn't a love for my home. It wasn't a love for my vehicle. What would happen if God began to change the way we use the word love? What if we would begin to catch ourselves this week? Man, I really love. Wait a minute. What do I really love? 
The world will not be changed. Except through, through, through two things, and Jesus lays those out, and I've shared them with you many, many times. It's through loving God and loving people. Because without loving God, I can't truly love people. Amen? Amen. And by loving people, I truly show that I love God. So it's connected. <laughs> it's all connected. When I served as a missionary, we went into Bulgaria and we were conducting the first youth camp that they had ever had. And uh, they didn't really get the concept of youth camp down because they brought everybody. Grandma, Grandpa, <laughs> you name it, they all showed up at camp. They, they didn't think of it as a, just the teenagers or just the children. They, they brought everybody. And uh, still going that way today. As a matter of fact, I got news. The man who brought us there to do that, he went on to his reward a week ago, Brother Peter. Fourth generation underground church leader but for the last three decades got to lead openly his faith in his church powerful man of God I'm going to see him again <laughs> boy just to hear his words matter of fact I asked him I said what's the first thing you did when, when communism fell Pastor Peter what did, what's the very first thing you did he said I went out on my balcony and I cried out as loud as I could Slava Laboga which is Bulgarian but also Russian for praise the Lord he said it was the first time I was ever able to do that above a whisper and he said I'll never say his name softly again <laughs> but as we were gathered there an some kids came from an orphanage and this young man didn't have anything a lot of them didn't and I'll never forget that one of the young men he had to wear a dress because there were no pants they didn't have any clothes for him and me and Brian we went in to we came back to Athens where we were living in Greece and we only had one pair of pants each because we gave everything we had in our suitcase to those kids what are you saying pastor how dare I get up and say God loves you and not demonstrate it we have to demonstrate that love there is power in love but there is look how many of you have ever heard the words, I love you, and you just kind of passed them away because it didn't mean that much? I have. But there's something powerful when our words are motivated through action. In other words, when I go, what did Jesus say? He said, when, you know, he said, when I he said, when I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was sick, you didn't take care of me. And he goes through this whole list of things. And they said, Lord, when were you in prison? When were you sick? When when were all these things? He says, He says, when you do this unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. In other words, he's saying, when you go to someone and you begin to meet the need physically, you demonstrate the love that I have for them. And by doing that, 
you love me. It reciprocates. Amen. There's power in love. So every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here in this room this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I want God to redefine the word love in my life. I want God to redefine the way I view that. I want God to change the way I see love and see it as more action than just words. I want, I, I want, to re, I want God to redefine the way I love Him. God help me. I'm not preaching a works gospel, by the way. There's more action means that I come in and I'm worshiping God. It's more than actions more than just works. But if that's you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want God to re- revisit me and change the way I view love so that I can love and be what I need to be in this world. I want you just to lift your hand real quickly and put it right back down. Thank you. There's some others in this room. I want to demonstrate His love. I want to demonstrate it. I don't want to just say it. Lord, I don't want to just use those words loosely anymore, but God, I want to realize next time I, next time I sit down and say, I really love and I fill in the blank with something that I shouldn't fill it in with. God, catch me in my spirit so that I can redefine what I love. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.